<laughs> all right, well, yeah, you can clap for that. That's, all of us have been there. Um, so, yeah, fathers, uh, we are, are very, very excited for this morning. We appreciate you dads. Uh, we appreciate what you pour into your kids. Um, you know, and, and when we look at that video, we can think, man, all the things I've got to teach my kids. Uh, you know, my, my sons are, are, the twins are 13 and, and Max is 10 now. And, and so we're starting to teach them like dad fixing things. I, all I do is fix things around the house. Any other dad relate uh, to that? You guys have perfect families. Awesome. Um, or you just hire it out, that must be nice. I gotta like live on YouTube uh, to figure things out. So, you know, we think, well, I, the kids are getting old, I gotta teach them how to change the oil. Uh, the kids are getting older, I gotta teach. I remember taking Sandy and Naomi out and sitting them down on the curb and teaching them how to change a tire and check the oil and, and that left very, very quickly. Um, so, and they probably don't even remember that even happening, so it was a huge life-changing moment. But, you know, we can tend to think about all these things I gotta teach. I gotta teach my kid how to have a checking account and a saving account. We don't balance our checkbook anymore. It balances for us. We, we do all of these things that we've gotta somehow teach our kids as dads. And we have this pressure to uh, get going to, to Steve's statement is we've got this culture that we're trying to navigate our children th uh, through. And often they look to you and go, dad, what should we do? And, and even this week, I was helping Naomi. Naomi's getting ready to move into an apartment uh, with some friends, and she was setting up utilities and the internet and all these things. And she's like, well, what should I do? Or what do you think? And I'm like, I don't really have an opinion one way or another. And she's like, you're dad. You can't do that. Um, and, and that's the reality. We feel that pressure to kind of know all things. And what I want to do this morning in a, in a very biblical way, I wanna encourage you dads. I'm primarily gonna be speaking to you dads, but, but this is not just for dads, it's also for young men uh, who are not dads yet, or, or that never will be. But it's not just for men, it's for women as well. It's for grandparents, grandmas and grandpas and uncles and aunts. And here's why, because you may never know what young person God is gonna put into your life to speak truth into their world. And so what is it that you need to do? If, if someone comes and says, hey, I want to spend more time with you, I want to learn from you, okay, does that mean you teach them how to throw a curveball? Does that mean you teach them which football team to root for? Does that mean you teach them how to computer program? What is it that you ought to be focused on? Now let's transition that to dad. What should dads be focused on? And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at uh, the book of 1 Samuel. It's in the Old Testament. So if you want to open up your Bibles uh, to 1 Samuel, if you're using one of our Bibles or even your own, Tanner had a great point the, uh, this last week during staff, is uh, believe it or not, all Bibles have a table of contents. They'll help you get to it. Sometimes we can feel like an idiot flipping through our Bible, and then you know some of us do the whole thing like, I have no idea where it is, so we kind of hide it, and we just... You know, we're just flipping, you know, kind of fun. It's okay if you don't know where books of the Bible are. Just look in the table of contents for 1 Samuel. We're looking at Eli today. 
Uh, and Eli was a Jewish priest who was in charge of many things underneath the umbrella of the church. Uh, in addition, he had two sons, and his sons were also in charge primarily for offerings. If you remember in the Old Testament, uh, an offering wasn't necessarily writing a check or grabbing some dollars out of your pocket and putting it in a box. An offering was like a cookout. Uh, if you would, kind of a, a grill session where there would be all different types of meat, all different types of cuts, and the fragrance would come before the Lord, and the Bible would say, and he was well pleased uh, with the aroma. And so these guys, Eli and his sons and others, were in charge of these offerings. Well, here's the problem. Sometimes, much like in your life, uh, possibly, sometimes you don't have a great dad. Maybe you have a friend who doesn't have a great dad, or you didn't have a great dad, or, or maybe you had a dad who is non-existent. Uh, well, what we see in Eli is he made some significant strategic mistakes in the parenting of his sons. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at that not to critique Eli, not to throw shade on Eli or, or make fun of him as a godly man, but we're gonna learn from Eli. We do this, uh, I used to do this when I was in police work is we would review officer-involved shootings, uh, uses of force, et cetera, not to critique and, and, and to uh, criminalize the officer, but so that we can learn. Uh, and so that's what we do when we're looking at Scripture. So Eli made some pretty big mistakes in parenting. Um, in fact, uh, some terrible consequences came because of his parenting, and that is both his sons and he were killed because of his lack of doing a good job to be a parent. Thankfully, you don't have that level of, uh, of pressure that if you do it wrong, you're going to be killed. But that's exactly what happened to Eli. You can read the story for yourself. We don't have time to fully unpack the entire story, but you can read that in book of 1 Samuel. And I think if Eli were here today, or, or if he were in your home, for those of you who are joining us uh, online, or the Bulos, the Bulos are driving on I-80, right? And I think they have Alex's sons in the car with them, and they were texting uh, during the worship service, and Alex jumped on and said, keep your eyes on the road. And uh, thankfully, it was Sarah who was texting and Randy was driving. Nevertheless, if he were here today or in your car bulos or at your home, he would probably have some strong advice for us as dads looking backwards. You see, the rearview mirror is awfully helpful. We don't want to look at, we don't want to stare at the rearview mirror when we're driving, but it is very, very helpful to glance at. And I think if Eli were here, he would glance at the rearview mirror on his parenting and go, don't make the same mistakes that I've made. And I know a lot of you in this room are seasoned parents or grandparents, and if you could grab one of these younger couples in the room that are having babies, Joe, this is his second Father's Day, yeah, Joe, uh, and so you know, if you were to grab them, you would go, hey, here's some mistakes I made, don't make the same ones. And that doesn't make you a bad parent, it just means you learned uh, from those. So let's imagine that Eli is back with us, what are we going to learn from him? What Father's Day advice would he have for us? And I'm just going to give you three things that if you just do these three things as a dad, you can lay your head down on your pillow at night or God can bring you home and you will have known you did what your calling is. And that's my first point is I want to make sure you know we as dads, we have no greater calling 
than to pour into our kids. But I'm gonna tell you exactly how you ought to be pouring into your kids using the life of Eli. Number one, Eli would tell you, put God first in your life. Put God first. Not at the top, not in top five, not in the top three. He would say, put God first in your life. Look with me at 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting at verse 27. Here's what, what is said. Now, a man of God came to Eli, and he said to him, this is what the Lord said. So notice, he's coming going, hey, don't shoot the messenger. This is what God told me to tell you, so don't get mad at me. If you have issues, if you have beef, bring it up with the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Did I not clearly reveal myself to your ancestors' family? when they were in Egypt under Pharaoh? I chose your ancestors out of the tribe of Israel, what, to be my priests. In other words, I put you in charge to go up to my altar to burn incense and to wear the ephod in my presence. I also gave your ancestors' family all the food offerings presented by the Israelites. Verse 29, why do you scorn my sacrifice? an offering that I prescribed for my dwelling. Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Some of you, let me, let me ask for a show of hands. How many of you have a, a nice big steak, you love the fat? That, that's crispy on there. Raise your hand. Be proud of you if you're going to say it. Thank you, Lori. Lori's almost throwing something at me. Like this, that's nothing new. That's nothing new. There were precious parts on the grill that tasted really good, and there was a temptation to go, and how many of you do this? You're cooking, and there's nothing left when you're done because you just took samples the whole time, right? Thank you, Karina. And so this is what happens even, in, and this is what's happening with Eli and his sons. And so I would say to you, dads, the first thing that Eli would tell you is put God first in your life. Make it a non-negotiable. That means the beautiful hot woman sitting next to you comes second. That means your kids who are knuckleheads and you love them and they're cute sometimes that are down the road from you, they come second, third, fourth, fifth. Your God comes first. And this was Eli's first and greatest mistake. God was not first. And we see what, that ha what happens when God isn't first. Eli had other priorities, he had other concerns. He had other desires. He had other passions. He had other responsibilities. He had other things that he, gaps in his being that he wanted filled up. And it wasn't filled up with God being first. And so the question is, okay, that's great. How? How do I put God first? Again, men, dads, uh, and, and wives, grab your husband's ear and make him listen. Because this will save your marriage. It will save your family. And it will put you on the trajectory that God absolutely wants. So three things in putting God first. Priorities, sin, and examples. And so first of all, putting God first means honoring God above all else, that you have no greater priority. Your phone isn't your greatest priority. Your enjoyment, your entertainment is not your priority. 
Your, your passions are not your priority. Making money is not your priority. Your greatest priority means honoring God above all things. Eli's sons were abusing the ritual of the offering, of the sacrifice. And because of Eli's allegiance, because of Eli's love for his sons, he failed God and he failed his sons. Why? Because they were a greater priority than God. And that is something for both men and women, moms and dads, we all can fall into placing other things above what is rightfully meant for the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it can happen a lot of times before we even know it. It, it just before we turn around, we go, oh my gosh, something else is in that rightful place, but we get used to it, and so we leave it there. And his sons, Eli's sons, were dishonoring God. And instead of removing his sons from their priestly duties, and instead of stepping in and not only honoring God, but, but being a good dad to his sons, he honored them by letting them continue as priests, even in their sin. Men, listen, we need to honor God above all other things. And, and that's gonna require you to do some homework. That's gonna require you to take a look at your life, take, to take a look at your time on your calendar, to take a look at your finances, to, to take a look at how you have enjoyment, your loving relationships. Does that mean those things are bad? Absolutely not. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Lord. We know that what we have around us mostly is from God. It's good stuff. But it should never, ever, ever take the place of God. And for some of us, we need to do some evaluation. That means above our family, above our money, our comforts, our friendships, and our jobs. God comes first. Secondly, this is the one's a little bit more difficult, so buckle up. Putting God first means uh, dealing with the sin in your life. A lot of men will put on a tough exterior. They will look like they've got their act together. They will talk the talk and walk the walk, and inside they're deteriorating in their sin. Why? Because it's embarrassing. Why else? Because to deal with your sin, biblically speaking, you can't deal with your sin on your own. You need other men around you. That means I've got to go uh, to Alan, and I've got to go to Hunter, and I go to Alan, and I've got to go to Colin and go, man, here's my stuff. Can you walk with me through it so I can clean that up? Is that easy? No, it's not easy at all. Is it a high calling? Are you a better man if you do so? A thousand percent. Why? Because this world says you better have your act together in every area. But we know in this room that's not possible. There's going to be some area of life that's a struggle. There's gonna be some area that's a sin. And Eli not only let his sons continue in their sin, but he participated with them in their sin, having sex with harlots in the doorways of where the incense was to be burned. You realize the stuff going on here. Horrible behaviors. And instead of addressing it, it gets worse and worse and worse. And make no mistake, we serve a loving and gracious and merciful God, but he has limits. 
He will at some point turn you over to the greatest desires of your heart if he chooses to. And one of the things that is constantly in my prayer, a language, and you can adopt it if you'd like, is I constantly pray, God, please never turn me over to the desires of my heart and do not turn our nation over to the desires of its heart. Because if that happens, we are in trouble. Women, this is the same exact thing for you. If God turns you over to the deep desires of your heart, I'm talking sin, you're in trouble. So what do we do with that? Well, we address it. We address sin. Eli is fattening himself up on the offering. He's throwing barbecue sauce on there, and him and his sons are getting fat, eating all the good sacrifice meat, skimming from the top. And dads, if there's any sin in your life that you are not bringing before God and confessing to him and and confessing to another man, you are endangering not only yourself, you are endangering your family. I don't say that lightly. And I don't say it with any joy. And you're like, well, this is kind of a cruddy uh, Father's Day morning. Like, way to go, Brian, feel awesome. Here's the joy, though. If, if, we, if we just focus on what we have to bring before God, it's a bummer. But if we focus on what we're bringing and who we're bringing it to, there's joy. There's mercy. There's forgiveness. There are always arms open wide. I have never once come before God in confession and brought nasty sin before the throne of God and received anything even close to a waving finger or a fist in damnation, not even close. In fact, every time I've ever brought sin and confession before uh, the God of all creation, it's been quiet, it's been peaceful, it's been accepting. It's been more me speaking and him listening than him talking at me. And every time it's you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Yeah, you're forgiven again. I know you promised me the last 20 times that would never happen again. You're forgiven and you're loved. That's what God does. And men, that's our call. We have to deal with our sin. Because many times, and we see this in scripture, many times if we don't deal with our sin, we will pass it down to our children and our children's children. We, we sing that song. I'll sing it for you, you here in just a second. Um, we, we sing that, I will not be doing that. We, we sing that song, um, the blessing, right? And your children and your children and your children and your children and your children. Uh, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you. It's the same thing with sin though. Your, your undealt with sin can be for your children and your children and your children and your children. You go, well, that's not fair. Wonderful, I don't disagree with you, but it's true. And so dealing with sin, allowing God to bring about any wicked way in us and allow ourselves to stand completely transparent before the throne of God is the most manly thing you can do. It's the most courageous thing you can do. And God is looking for men who will stand up and not be bravado, not be machismo, not be John Rambo, not be Rocky Balboa, but will be real before the throne of God. That's what God is looking for. 
And it begins by going, I'm a sinner and I'm coming before you, Lord. And I'm going to deal with this sin. Men, don't pass your sin down the line. Deal with it today for the sake of your children. And thirdly, putting God first means setting an example for your kids. I don't know if you know this, but kids watch. Uh, They repeat. Uh, A lot of times when a kid will do something or say something that irritates us, it's just because they're modeling you. Anybody else feel that, or am I still the only one? Thank you, Karen. Yeah, like my kids will do something. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I have done an incredible job of passing it down, Lord. Not the right thing, but I've passed it down. It just happens. But we're called to something bigger than that. You can't expect your kids to have a prayer life if you don't have a prayer life. You can't expect your kids to fall in love with the word of God if you don't ever read the word of God. And don't read it in private, read it in front of them. Bless you. You, you, uh, and not just because you sneezed, Hannah, truly bless you in your new marriage. That is incredible, yeah. Uh, If you need any parenting advice, Will and Hannah are are about a month in or so, uh, truly experts. Anyway, don't go into hiding with your, quote, quiet time. Do it right there in front of them. When, when, when something bad happens in your family, pray with them. Say, stop, we're gonna pray right now. Make family decisions based on the word of God right in front of them. Why? They're watching you. They're watching the things you say. They're watching your attitudes. When you spout out about politics and culture, guess what? They're listening. On a regular basis, Sandy and I are like, okay, we need to like, sometimes you're modeling bad, so we gotta take the conversation somewhere else and and talk in another room. Model it. Just yesterday, uh, my twins read, they, they read so much, we, we almost need to just check out the whole Louisville library and just bring all the books home or move them in, one of the two. They just, we, and I'm not exaggerating, we will walk out with 40 books of like 600 pages and then they're done. And they're like, we have nothing to read. And, and sorry, that's my sin. Uh, <laughs> We have nothing to read. I just got you 20 bucks. I read them. Anyway, thank you for being a safe place for me. But (laughs) I I said, hey, Luke, why don't you, last night, he's like, I don't have anything to read. I'm like, just read the Bible. He goes, I already read it. And so we sat down on the stairs, and I said, here's the deal, buddy. I have as well. But every time I open this up, it speaks to me. And I walked him through some of the stories. I'm like, let's keep reading because God's going to speak to you. When you need to deal with trust, when you need to deal with faithfulness, God's going to speak to you. But I could have very easily just left it alone and moved on. Set an example. It's hard to ask your children to follow Jesus Christ if you're not doing it yourself. And as godly fathers, we need to be able to say to our children what Paul said to the people of Corinth, 1 Corinthians 11.1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Now, they can tell you to go pound sand, fair enough, but you can't go to your children and say, follow Christ as I follow Christ if you're not doing it. This is a gut check. It's a gut check for us as dads. But I'll follow it up by saying this, you can do it. You can do this. Not just dads, moms as well. I'm gonna 
hit the gas here in just a second, Alex, sorry. Second, if Eli were here, he would say, be sure to discipline your children. Don't let them get off. Uh, I, I've heard more parents than I know that I can even count say, well, if I come down hard, I'm gonna push them away. You ever been there? Discipline your children. Listen to what Samuel says, 1 Samuel chapter 3, 11 through 14. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. Now that's cool. When the Holy Spirit moves and your ears start to tingle. Side note, I don't know if any of you have, well, a lot of you have not. Some of you are my brothers. Uh, Goosebumps on a bald head is like holiness. It is just a weird thing. A lot of you have no idea what that will ever be like. Steve? Never? Never? Okay. Awesome. Paul? Never? Dan? Fair enough. All right. So... At that time, I just feel the spirit more. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end, for I told him that I would judge his family. Listen to the severity of this. I would judge his family forever. Forever. Because of the sin he knew about, his, sin, his sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, may God never do this to any of us. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Ouch. And this is Eli's second big mistake. Not only did he fail to put God first, but his sons were sinning against God and he didn't step in and restrain them. He let them live a life of sin. Dads, if you see your kids walking down a life of sin, it's your job to jump in front of the car. That's what God has called us to do. One of your primary responsibilities as a a parent is to discipline, or the word actually means to train your children. And notice I said train. Too often we think of of discipline as just punishing. Um, You know, one of the the things we do with our twins, uh, please don't report us, but if if they're not getting along, we make them hold hands and walk around our (laughs) cul-de-sac just till I get tired. And... uh, so that's what we do. You can use it. Uh, if authorities come, don't tell them I directed you. But it, it, that's not our only job is to discipline them. We're also to train them. And that's even more important, to speak to their heart, to speak to their eyes, to speak to their soul so that we can shape them in the way that God wants them to be shaped. Discipline is really training your children in a way that's pleasing to God. So how do you discipline or train your children? First of all, teach them God's word and God's ways. Psalm 119.9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. The greatest thing you can do in disciplining and training your kids is to constantly point them to the word of God. Constantly point them to the word of God. If they have beef with that, bring it up with God. I'm just delivering you the word. Teach them the word of God. Teach them what God wants for them, the way that God sees them. Because one of the most important things that you can do for your children is to make sure that they know God's word. And you can do this a number of ways. You can make sure that you don't miss church. 
This isn't a guilt trip. Please don't take this, Hanson family, gone three weeks in a row. However, uh, make sure you're at church. Are we taking attendance? No, but you need to be around other believers. This is important. We say this on a regular basis. Church is important to them. Get your kids in base camp. Let our teachers pour the word of God into them, to love them, to continue the rich tradition of loving children in the, in the heart of Lori Russo, to love our kids like Jesus. Get them involved in youth group. I'm happy to announce on Friday we sealed the deal. Tanner and Amy Kaler are our new youth pastors. Yes. So... They are also newlyweds, not as long as the veterans uh, back here, the pan. So again, if you have any uh, insight and, and you need some guidance, please ask Amy and Tanner. But they're gonna be running our youth ministry, middle school and high schoolers. The best thing you can do, get your kids into that so that they can be around it, so they can be shaped by that, so that they can have fun, get them involved. You can read good Christian books. Dads, when was the last time you fed yourself on what it means to be a man, a godly man? When was the last time you listened to a podcast? When was the last time you went to a conference? If it's your most important role, then treat it as such. You can do it. Teach your children God's word and God's ways. Next, encourage them to do what is right. It's part of a dad's job to encourage their children. The apostle Paul says this to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter two. He said, we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Well, how is that? Glad you asked. Encouraging, comforting, and urging to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Your kids need encouragement. When you see them doing something wrong, correct it, train them. When you see them doing something right, highlight it. Highlight it, champion that. For some of you, you're like, well, they only do something once a week right. Great, then grab that one and highlight it. Don't let those things pass. Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your son for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. It goes back to this idea. Don't let them go down the wrong path. Fight for that at all costs. Is it gonna be smooth always? There are several of you in this room that would stand up and go, yeah, I, I'm a witness that this is not always smooth. I get it, 100%. But we still operate under these confines. Finally, Eli would encourage you, and this is the most important, Teach them about Jesus. Teach your children. Or, or if you're a teacher, or you're an uncle, or you're a grandparent, or if you, you're a friend of someone who has little kids, teach them about Jesus. Tell them his stories. Tell them about when he walked on the water. Tell them about when he said, throw the net on the other side. Tell them when he walked by and saw this crazy man in a tree and said, hey, let's go have dinner at your house. Tell them the stories about turning water into wine at a wedding. Tell them about when Satan said, throw yourself off this cliff because tons of army of angels will catch you. Tell them the stories about Jesus. Tell them about when he, when he paused Peter for taking up a sword and, and wanting to go to fight. I love Peter for that. That would have been me. But tell them when, when Jesus said, put the sword away. They're not killing me. I'm giving my life. Tell them about when he hung on the cross 
and he watched people scorn him and make fun of him and spit on him, throw a spear through his side and through tears say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Tell them the joy it was on that Easter morning when Jesus saw the disciples and the women. Tell them that, that he has ascended to the right hand of the Father and he's coming again to judge the living and the dead. He's coming in love. He's coming in peace. And that Jesus loves you. Tell them that. Pour into your children. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 20 through 225. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all of Israel and how they slept with women who served at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. So he said to them, why do you do such things? I hear from all the people, all the wicked deeds of yours. No, my sons, the report I hear spreading among the Lord's people is not good. If one person sins against another, God may mediate for the offender. But if anyone sins against the Lord, who will intercede for them? His sons, however, did not listen to his father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will to put them to death. Eli was very concerned about his son's relationship with God. It was heavy on his heart. And when Eli asked the question, if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Eli didn't know the answer. He didn't know Jesus. Alex says this a lot, and I love it. We know the end of the story. We have an advantage. Eli had no idea who Jesus was until he went to heaven. But God answered Eli's question when God sent Jesus into the world to live the life that we couldn't live, to, to die a death we couldn't die. It wasn't enough. So tell your kids about Jesus. When, when they're lying down, when they're waking up, when you're coming and going, talk about Jesus. When you don't know what else to do as a dad, talk about Jesus. Even if they get to the point where my sons will go, we've heard this, okay? They're sinful, uh, and so I correct that. But just more Jesus, more God's love, more God's mercy, more God's sacrifice. You never go wrong. It will never come back void. So what do you tell them? Tell them about the cross. Tell them about the cross. Tell them how horrific and beautiful it was. Let them sit in that uncomfortableness, but tell them. Explain to them that we've all sinned against God and we deserve to be punished for our sin. But God sent Jesus to die on the cross to take the punishment for all of us. He was dying for our sins. He was dying in our place. He was taking the punishment that we deserved. So tell them. Second, teach them about repentance and faith. Teach them, model before them what is repentance. Bring them into your prayer life as you come before God and ask for forgiveness. How else are they gonna know? If they never hear you saying sorry to God, how are they gonna learn to do that? Now, I'm not saying take them into your deep, dark closet of skeletons, but wherever you can grab low-hanging fruit and model before them asking forgiveness of God, do that. Bring, from the youngest of young, Alex has Teddy and Henry, they're perfect ripe age to do this if they survive Randy's driving. Bring them in. 
Model before them repentance and faith. Teach them that we have to turn away from sin and put our trust in our Savior. Why? Because we're not saved by anything we do. Nothing. We can't add anything by how we live. Teach them that we should confess our sins daily to God. I'm gonna have the worship team come up here as we get ready to, to wrap this up. 1 John chapter 1, verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Dads, listen for a second. This is a verse you should memorize and help your kids memorize. Listen to the words. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just and will, not may, he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's what he does because of Jesus. That's your greatest responsibility as dad. And you might say, well, my, my kids are teenagers uh, or they're a little bit older and I haven't really been doing what you said. I wish it were early, it's too late. And I wanna say hogwash. It is never too late. It is never too late. Yesterday would have been better, but today is better than tomorrow. Today. Today, begin to live the life today. And if you want help, if you want someone to walk with you, I will walk with you. All of our elders will walk with you. Alex will walk with you. Our, our, our marriage experts will walk with you. We will walk with you, but don't say it's too hard. I don't know what to do. We'll help you. There are so many resources. You don't have to go through this alone. That's why our, our Axis men's group is so critical. Why? Because life's hard. It's hard to be a man. Culture's throwing men all over the place. And we wanna support you, we wanna encourage you, we wanna point you to the scriptures. We wanna help you be the best version of you that God always intended from the beginning of time. And you can't do that alone, and we know that. But don't put off until tomorrow, start today. Dads, you can do this. I beg of you, you can do this. Scary, uncomfortable, awkward, new, fill in the blank, but you can do this. You can be the dad God wants you to be. You just have to say yes, Lord, and then start rallying people around you to walk with you. And you can do this not because you're strong, but because of the strength that comes from God. You can do this. And if God is for us, how does it go? Who in the world and out of this world can be against us? If God is by our side when we're parenting, if God is by our side when we're working on our marriage, if God is on our side when we're working on our own sin, if God is right beside us and for us when, when we're trying to live the life of Jesus, 
when, when God is right beside us and for us, when we're tiptoeing into the dating world or we're in college or we're about to graduate into middle school or high school or college, if God is for us, who in this universe can be against us? No one. No one. He is greater. So put God first in your life, men. Whether you're a dad or not, men and women, but men this morning, men, put God first in your life. If you want to be really bold, go to your loved one or go to your best friend and say, where is God not first in my life? Be honest with me. Don't do it unless you're ready to hear the answer. But usually our, our brides or our girlfriends or, or our best friends will go, probably not in this area. Receive that. Be sure to discipline your children. Train them up in the ways of the Lord. and Tell them about Jesus over and over and over. Tell them about Jesus. Man, I love this book. It's my anchor, my hope, my strength. Dive into it, men. Dive into it. Let's pray together. God, we pause for just a moment and realize that this list, this is not easy stuff. <laughs> Got some challenges here. and You love dads. We emulate the best we can. You, our heavenly father, we emulate that here on earth. You love dads. You gave us a responsibility. You gave us a job to do. And it's a hard job. It's an exhausting job. But it's a holy job. Help us to treat it as such. And so on Father's Day, not only we do, do we say every, every man in this room, happy Father's Day. And for those who are watching online, happy Father's Day. But you, our great Father in heaven, who loves us more than we could ever imagine, we say, happy Father's Day. And we give you our lives afresh today. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.